This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, exclusively Women's Basketball Podcast Around the Rim. I'm your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, who had a wonderful birthday celebration. If you want to recap, you're going to have to go to social media because this is a PG-13 show. <laughs> so we are not diving into what Tarika Don't did for Don't be slandering my name out here I'm now. just saying. I'm just saying. Fans, we have a really, really fantastic show. Sylvia Fowles, the league MVP, I'm calling it right now is going to join the show, and she really gave so much perspective to this season, to her career. You won't want to miss that. On top of that, we have a great exclusive in the second half with Cappy Pondexter. I mean, I'm talking about two really great in-depth interviews to add on to what we did last week with Skylar Diggins and Brittany Sykes and Amani Boyette. Really enjoy hearing firsthand from these players. So um, I'm not going to talk too long to start the show I did want to run down the standings, and then I'll give you guys my clipboard in the first quarter. But um, as far as the standings, the Minnesota Lynx are still on top. Uh, they stumbled. They have definitely stumbled. In the last 10, they are 6-4. and four. Keeping in mind, they are without Lindsey Whalen, who is still recovering from a left-hand injury. Um, Rebecca Brunson has a sprained ankle, so they're expecting her to be out for the remainder of the, the regular season. And obviously, everyone is trying to make a push for those top two spots um, because we know that number one and two get a bye to the semifinals. And right now, L.A. Sparks are in second place. They've won three in a row. They look really good. They've had some injuries, too, though. I mean, Essence Carson is just coming back from an elbow injury. Um, Raquana Williams has been out. But, boy, Odyssey Sims is fitting that team like a glove. Um, just adding on to what they already have with with their core group. Um, Connecticut Sun, um, my dark horse to uh, make a finals appearance this year. Keep your eyes on Kurt Miller, coach of the month in the WNBA, uh, likely coach of the year in the league. They've just been fantastic, and they they continue to roll as they try to make a push to those top two spots. Um, The New York Liberty have won five in a row. And let me tell you, I saw them here in Atlanta, and I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Bill Lambeer kept saying, we'll be at our best in August. Because they had Epiphany Prince in and out. They had Kia Vaughn miss Tommy. They had, you know, they, they, they lost Brittany Boy. I mean, they had all kind of things. Had to find pieces to fit in. With the emergence of Bria Hartley as a steady force and just Cervante Zealous has played some great games. Of course, Tina's Tina. So they've had contributions, but this is a team that because of the way they defend, you just have to watch them um, as we head into the playoffs. Washington Mystics still without Elena Deladon. They're in fifth place and have clinched a playoff berth. All the teams I just named, one through five, have all clinched a playoff berth. The Phoenix Mercury have struggled losing their last two um, they're going to try to get on track this week on the big ESPN2 game of the week Thursday. Well, they will be facing the L.A. Sparks. The Seattle Storm has won four in a row since um, firing their head coach, Jenny Busek. Gary Kloppenberg is doing a fantastic job there. Brianna Stewart, player of the week, and um, has really played well for the Storm. Okay, Dallas is in that eighth spot, that coveted eighth spot. 
Um, at 14 and 16, Chicago Sky at 11 and 18. We talked to Happy Pondexter a little bit later on about them. The Atlanta Dream continues to slide. I mean, they've lost nine straight. The Indiana Fever has lost four straight. And San Antonio is in that final spot um, and is out of the playoff picture at this point. So uh, with that, and actually, I'm sorry, Indiana has also been eliminated from um, playoff contention. So with that, we will head into the first quarter. First quarter. So the first quarter is our blow the whistle segment, but it's also my clipboard where I just talk about some random things around the league. Um, some very sad news, but understandable. Planet Pearson, um, WNBA veteran, has decided that this will be her final season. Um, she's a two-time WNBA champion. She's been an all-star. She turns 36 this month and has decided to hang it up. And we plan on having Planet at some point on the podcast before the end of the season. But um, I, I just want to tip my hat to P, what she has meant to this league. She is just next level toughness. I love talking to her. Very, very high basketball IQ. Um, a player who just gets it. You know, was mm-hmm. always willing to pay her role as the sixth woman or whatever else, but um, she'll be missed for sure, Tarika. Oh, for sure. I love Planet. I remember she uh, won a championship with us in Detroit, so I'm a big fan of Planet. She'll definitely be missed in the game of women's basketball. Yeah, Tarika sliding in that she is a Detroit girl. We got that. Glad that shock um, <laughs> Also, just want to quickly, you know, there's been a lot of players that have had to put their season to an end due to injury. Most recently, Breon January. Um, and I'm not going to name everyone because I don't want to miss anybody. But, you know, it's just always unfortunate when, when a player has to um, end the season early, especially one of Breon January's caliber because she's had a lot of injuries over the years. So, Send our love uh, definitely to her and others and, and hoping that folks that weren't able to end the season healthy definitely have a chance to be on the mend. Um, the last thing on my clipboard I really wanted to discuss, which is a big topic for the WNBA this week. I want to intro this actually with a clip um, from a gentleman by the name of Howard Bryant. He is ESPN, the magazine senior columnist. So Let's hear from Howard, and then we will have a conversation. Why is there more of a freedom in the WNBA, or what seems to be more of a freedom in terms of protesting? Well, I don't know if there is more of a freedom. I think the women are better. I think the women have done this better. I think they've been more of a team. I think there's a lot of rhetoric in sports when we talk about all this and all these metaphors about war and being in a foxhole and being in all of it, to, in all of this together, we're not in all of it together. We're not in it together. You you look at what's happening on the men's side, and it's essentially the African American players protesting police brutality, and the white players have been silent. If you look at the WNBA, they've actually locked arms on this. Whether it was the Minnesota Lynx last year, whether it's the Mystics this year, they've actually taken this as a team. And you also saw them stick together with. The women's national hockey team. Maybe it's because they don't make the money and they're not in the mm. in the same branding business and they're not in the hundreds of millions the way that the men are, and that they have to stick together in order to get what they what they want to get and get their messages across. But they've actually done this in a way that's been so much more impressive than anything that the men have done. 
So, th- again, that was the voice of Howard Bryan, and he was speaking to um, our ESPN, our wonderful ESPN friend, um, Carrie Champion, the host of uh, Coast to Coast. And, you know, just so for fans that don't know, and, and I would not call it a protest, I would say what the WNBA players have done was a demonstration of unity. Um, but it kind of started with the New York Liberty. You know, they um, they really, uh, on a game day, decided that they wanted to pay their respects to the victims in Charlottesville. And, and that, unfortunately, was not as covered as what happened this past week. So when the L.A. Sparks visited the Washington Mystics, um, both teams locked arms in what they called a display of unity, a demonstration of unity, um, where they were basically, they just wanted to come together and show unity and show love in the wake of what happened in Charlottesville as well as the president's response to that. And that, what I just um, spoke of, came from the Washington Mystics side and um, you know, it was really them that spearheaded this this sh- display of unity. And one thing that they talked about was, you know, they had a visit um, with Representative John Lewis. And, you know, they had been taking some trips as a team. And Mike Tebow is the best at, you know, he wants his players to be educated, to be socially aware. So they do things as team as a team. And they went to the Hill, visited with John Lewis. And this was uh, several, this is back in, in July, And what he said to the team, you know, it was a mantra basically that he lived by. And this is not what it is verbatim, but basically he said, if you see something that's not right, that's not just, you have to say something, you have to do something, you have to speak up. And so that really stuck with the team as they had a conversation on game day with, you know, Mike Tebow and his staff about, hey, we're in Washington, D.C. There are some things going on that we may not be happy with. And they did not disrespect the flag at all, in my opinion. Um, They were facing the flag. They were standing with the flag. Some people, again, if you look at what Colin Kaepernick's choosing to do, they they see that as a a, um, form of disrespect. These women were standing in unity, like one player for one team and and one player for the next. I, I employ people to please pull it up. And look at it if you haven't. But Christy Tolliver was one of the main voices in this happening. And she grew up about 45 minutes from Charlottesville. So she um, she was very passionate. She was very passionate about her team doing something. It, it just it was close to home. They talked about it. And later on, Neka Agumake, who was the president of the Players Union, did... Um, release a statement which said we fully support our players who are offering a demonstration of unity that we hope America can emulate in the wake of the tragic events in Charlottesville. WNBA president Lisa Borders said in a statement, quote, we offer our sincere condolences to the family who lost love, the families who lost loved ones and our support to those who were injured during the inexcusable violence that transpired. Um, the league also offered a sample script for teams to announce to the crowd before the game. Um, it's, the, it's the game that the New York Liberty used that I've referenced earlier in their game against the L.A. Sparks on Sunday. Um, and obviously in that, they talked about um, the loss of, of Heather Hare as one of, um, you know, just the talking points. For any, so anyway, Tarika, I, you know, I agree with Howard that the women of the WNBA 
have just been classy, respectful, thoughtful, and how they have approached um, their social responsibility and how they've used their platform. And this goes back to last summer mm-hmm. um, where there were some some you know, concerns by the players in the WNBA about issues of Black Lives Matter, violence, not only uh, against um, against police officers, but also civilians that they feel like were um, wrongly killed by police officers. What was your take on what the WNBA uh, did recently? I have never been more proud of professional athletes as I have been just looking at how the women in the WNBA have handled this entire situation from the beginning, whether it was the shirts that were worn um, by the Liberty last year when they had the Black Lives Matter uh, shirts and then coming up on this past Sunday where they did the Unity Day um, where they, you know, invited police officers to come out and and had a town hall and, and panelists and pretty much have done, you know, more than just saying we're against this. They've, taken actions to back up their feelings and to have the support um, of the WNBA Players Association, you know, behind them in in this. Because if you recall, um, there was, you know, uh, last year when they wore the Black Lives Matters T-shirts, there was a situation where they were saying, well, you guys are out of uniform. But then they took a step back because it's bigger than it's bigger than that. And, and the fact that they're continuing to show that it's bigger than just one person, it's bigger than any one organization, that as a community and, and as a, a professional league, we're going to stand together unified as one, it is to me amazing. And I think it's something that every organization, every professional league can literally learn from. And it kind of bugs me a little bit that, and, and I know that these players are not doing it for recognition, but it kind of bugs me a little bit that they don't get the recognition that I feel they deserve for having the gall to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of part of a bigger conversation that we often have about, you know, women in sports and, and women in general in, in the athletic realm being undercovered by, by media. But I, I am glad and very thankful for um, the people and the media entities that did pick up on what the WNBA did. Mm-hmm. Um, the league also sent out a memo that said that it was suspending the national anthem protocol, which entails lining up in a dignified posture al- along the foul lines during the playing of the national anthem, uh, beginning that Wednesday and then ending on August 25th. Um, so they are also trying to accommodate what these women want to do in terms of the display of unity um, and the WNBA Players Union has also been involved, Terry Jackson, Jane Appel-Marinelli. So it's been a collective effort. And we just want to say, we are proud of you, WNBA. We are. Extremely. Second quarter, Inside the Huddle. Well, fans, it's time for our second quarter conversation, and we are going inside the huddle with the player that I would say 99.9% of the world believes to be the WNBA MVP so far this season. And I mean, since the season's almost over, we might as well just give her the trophy. Please join me in welcoming (laughs) Sylvia Fowles to the show. Welcome, Syl. Thank you, China. Thanks for having me. 
Well, let me let's start off with this because I just called you Sill. I've heard people call you Sweet Sill. I've heard people call you Big Sill. I've heard people call you Sylvia. <laughs> what do you, what do you want us to call you? Um. So my Minnesota calls me Sweet Sill because I dislike the name Big Sill. Um. So Sweet Sill, it is. You can just call me Sill. Uh, whatever else, but I don't like Big Sill. Okay, so for the media, because I had heard this before, please make a note. She does not want you calling her Big Sill, so can we uh, make this adjustment? We've only had long enough now, so yeah, we're we're done. So I like Sweet Sill though, because you are sweet. I love Sweet Sill too. Uh, I don't know yeah. how they come up with that that name, but um, it fits. But I think I know how, and maybe you can help me with this because. Like, Sylvia, I, we all watch you on the court, and you've been dominant this season amongst the league leaders in points and rebounds and blocks. Your efficiency is off the charts. So you are like this monster on the court, or as I call you, Superwoman, Wonder Woman, anything with a cape. But off the court, <laughs> you are like the kindest, I mean, most gentle very humble. How do you manage those two personalities? Um, on my day-to-day basis, I'm, I'm more relaxed. I'm more chilled. Um, silly, goofy, depending on who I'm around. Uh, but that's just me on the, the daily basis. That's just the normal feel. Um, but basketball just brings it out of you. And um, it gives me uh, this different demeanor just to go out there and be aggressive and and to be hungry to want to do something without getting looked at any kind of way. And um, I think that's where you see the two balances of uh, on the court and off the court because it's two totally different people. It is two totally different people, but we have seen more of the ferocious Sylvia this season. Let's talk about just your overall mindset. And you and I have had a couple conversations, so there's a, a, a few things that I want you to hit on. First and foremost... You've had a lot of success already in your career, but I have never seen you play the way you have played this year, just in terms of your mentality, your hunger, your aggressiveness, your leadership. What's different for you this season? Um, just being myself. Um, I think uh, I'm in a good position, and um, I'm surrounded by a group of, of women who have the same common goal as myself. And um, we all just want to win and have fun. And um, I think it comes at ease when I can just go out there and, and do what's capable of, of me and without having to get looked at as I'm not doing this or I'm not doing enough or I need to do enough. Um, I think my teammates pick me up in areas where where I need it. And if they need me to pick them up, I'll also pick them up. So all this goodness this year uh, comes from a, a team collective energy force and just want how to just win. Now I'm going to give you a couple of, of words, right? And I want uh-huh. you to tell me, I want you to tell me how these particular words have impacted or these happenings or these sayings or these people have impacted your performance this year. So okay. what, what impact has Cheryl Reeve had on what you've done on, on the floor this year? Um, Coach Reeve is a life changer. Um, I know we said this a, a couple of times before, but um, she's just, just that coach who don't treat her all-stars like all-stars, and that's something that you can appreciate about a coach when she can get on everybody when they're not doing their job. And Sometimes you don't see that within 
the coaching system that we have this year. I mean, these this decade, um, a lot of coaches favoritism certain players, or they don't get on certain players. But Coach Reed gives everybody the business, and um, <laughs> <laughs> she do. And I, I think that that's what drawing me and her relationship closer because she knows she can get on me and I'll be productive and I won't take it any kind of way. And um, just her interaction with me of telling me what she wants and, and when I'm not getting things done, it's always uh, from a positive place. And um, just being able to sit down and talk with her over the, the last few years of what she wants from me and what can I do and to bring to this team um, has been a, a life changer for me. All right. Now, this is the next scenario. I want you to tell me how it's impacted your play this year. Losing to L.A. in Game 5. Losing to <laughs> L.A. in Game 5. Um, I heard it a while from that loss. And um, I took that burden with me overseas. And I probably cried almost every day from that loss because I always felt like I didn't do enough um, in that game for us to win. Um so my mindset changed from that point on. Uh, I was like, once we get back to the WNBA season, it's something that you're not going to hold on to. Uh, so I just try to make it my business. When I'm out there, I try to do as much as possible so I don't have that burden of feeling like I didn't do enough. And um, it's been helping so far. All right. My next person is James Wade. You got a new post coach this year. What has what has he helped you do? <laughs> James Wade is the man. Um, <laughs> you heard it first. It's on around the rim. Before, you heard it here. <laughs> he's the man. Before me and James got together, we just used to sit. When every time we played San Antonio, uh, me and James used to sit and we used to talk to each other. And we was like, man, if we had a chance or if we had this opportunity for us to, you know, to work together, it'd be amazing. You know, I always listen to other players talk about James and how he's been a. a a game changer for them. And I'm like, man, I want to work with this guy. You know, like everybody's talking about this guy and what he brings to the table. You know, I want a piece of that too. And small world, we end up working together. And um, he was like, man, I've been watching you over the past couple of years. You know, I feel like if you can add this to your game or if you can move this way or add this move, it'd be a game changer. And I'm like, man, yeah, you know, I like to move. And he's like, yeah, we got to get you on the move and get your feet moving. So every day at practice, James will foul me like, no other person probably could follow you in the game, so it makes it easier for me when <laughs> it makes it so easier for me when I'm in the game. But he also he listened to what I wanted and how I want to move and how I'm productive and he gave me his pointers and we just kinda collided together and it's been successful this year. But uh everybody thinks it's like something big, but it's not. It's just the little things that he's seeing that I can do and the little things that I want to do that made me come out the way and play the way that I'm playing this year. Yeah, and for fans that don't know, James Wade is one of the new assistants with the Minnesota Lynx, and he has absolutely done a fantastic job. So let's talk about the team and kind of where you guys are right now. Um, you just came off of a big win against Phoenix at home, but before that you had lost three in a row. You're without mm-hmm. Lindsey Whalen, who is out with a, a, a broken hand, which has been repaired. She's on the mend. Rebecca Brunson uh-huh. is out with an ankle. So... We're not used to seeing the Lynx losing. How has your team handled this stretch, and how have you how have you been able to weather the storm? Um, we take it in stride, um, and I think it's from the most part of having uh, veteran players who's been here within the system to know how things work, so they kind of keep us 
poised and keep us in line and make sure we don't panic. And um, I think our coaches do a good job, too, at, at showing us, like, the things that we've we done wrong throughout those games that we lost. And um, when it comes down to it, it's just the little things that we ain't doing that we would normally do. So uh, we don't hit the panic button. It's more so of how can we clean it up and make sure we go out there and play the way we're capable of playing if teams do decide to take certain things away from us. And um, I think that's what what uh, you guys have been seeing, the up and downs of our walls these last couple of games is us doing what we normally do and then sometimes we having some laps. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. After watching the way you guys beat, um, well, first of all, you put a spanking on Indiana, and then you you put another <laughs> one here recently on Phoenix. So I'm like, I think they're gonna be okay. Um, how much I, emphasis I think we're are gonna you, be all right as well? Yeah, I was gonna say, how much emphasis are you guys putting on getting that? You know, making sure you're locking in uh, the top two spots, or have you just talked about making sure you win it all? Like, which one is more important to you guys as we head to the playoffs? Oh. Um, at the end of the day, we definitely want to uh, take things one one game at a time. So um, if I have to put things in perspective, I would definitely think about taking that, locking in that number one seed, and then us proceeding from there. Uh, overall, you know, the, the, the goal is to win, but if you ain't got things in order before you get to the championship game, then <laughs> you might as well throw that out the window. So definitely knocking in that number one seed, making sure we give ourselves uh, the best – possible way to win um, is our focus right now. Now, in uh, in LSU Tigers news, um, you are going to have your, your jersey retired, your number retired, uh, which uh-huh. your, your buddy Simone Augustus said it's about time. Uh, what, <laughs> what, as you as you look back, what was the impact of, of your career on LSU to, to who you are today? Man, it's, it's crazy uh, because I never, like, try to put things into perspective from my college to now, but um, a lot of those pieces does play a part into who I am now. But um, I've just been surrounded. I've been fortunate and been surrounded by some good people uh, to help me get to where I am. And I've been um, fortunate to, to play with good players like Simone and a couple of other players I played down with at LSU. But um, it feels good. It feels good to to know that your hard work is is finally playing off, um, I feel like I'm old right now because I'm in my tenth <laughs> season. But um, if I say that to Coach Reeves, she's gonna say, "Yeah, you got about another six years in here." So, um, <laughs> so it's weird that it's all happening now, but uh, I am appreciative of uh, you know getting recognized and knowing that my hard work is noticed. Well, your jersey will join you as you mentioned your. Your Lynx teammate, Simone Augustus, Shaquille O'Neal, Pete Maravich. So, you know, it, it definitely, I know, is a big deal. Now, this is something I've always wondered, Sil. You came from Chicago um, to Minnesota. You know, you mm-hmm. wanted to change. You would all, you would always wanted to play with Simone. I know we've talked about mm-hmm. that, something that you and her had always kept in mind down the, down the road. But what have you learned about the culture with the Minnesota Lynx, about what it takes to be a champion? You know I mean? Having not had that experience to win it all before, you did go to finals. But what is it about that organization that just makes it so elite? Um, it starts from the head down. Um, this team is a professionalist team, and um, they want everything to be right. And they pay attention to every little detail possible. And um, that's something, that's a, a big difference that I didn't have in Chicago that we have here in Minnesota. 
And um, nobody take anything for granted here in Minnesota. Not saying that they did in Chicago, but things is a, a tad bit more nitty here in uh, <laughs> Minnesota. And and no matter what, uh, the good, bad, the ugly, we make sure we take care of each other. And that's our motto here in Minnesota. No matter what, make sure we good to each other. And I think that's something that we stand by. <laughs> Well, Sil, I have enjoyed watching you throughout the years, and I can't let you go without um, asking you this one question because I think you've had a very unique journey uh, through basketball. You know what I mean? When I remember seeing you for the first time, and I was like, wow, I still don't think I've ever seen anyone as strong and as big and as powerful in the game as you, you know? And so if there was a, if there was a mother who wanted to say me, I hope to have a little Sylvia one day, um, what, what, what are some things that you would, you would suggest, like in terms of how do you get the most out of a young, a young lady, but then how do you also let her be who she wants to be? Because that's the thing. I think you are finally doing it Sills way and you have people who are supporting you doing it her way. Like what, what is one takeaway, one lesson from this journey that you would impart on a young woman that wants to be Sills someday? Um, believe in yourself, um, be yourself and know that everything that you do is not going to be pleasing to other people's eye, but when you're comfortable with yourself and the work that you're putting in, um, everything is going to work out fine. And do you still get a lot of feedback about leaving Chicago? Do people give you a hard time? Because I know it was a very tough decision for you, but clearly it's played off well. I mean, finals, MVP, championship, you know. Do you still get a lot of people saying we wish you were in Chicago? Um, I get a lot of people who wish I was still in Chicago. But for the most part, uh, the fans has been the biggest supportive system in Chicago. Um I think it's one of those things where you see a person is unhappy, but they kind of duke it out. Um, but for the most part, um, everybody was supportive fan-wise in Chicago. I mean, I still keep in contact with a lot of those people back in Chicago, so that's still, like, my second home. And um, it's no tough love, but it's all business. Sil, you are killing the game. And you're from Miami, right? Miami, Miami area. <laughs> oh goodness! You are repping Miami well. Congratulations on the season you're having. Um, good luck. I mean, we'll definitely Thank be watching you. what happens with the links and and with your career. But you're you're my MVP, Tarika. Appreciate it. You are definitely my MVP. And just for the okay. record, I did answer the phone. Like, hey, Seal. Like, we go back twenty years. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. So, we oh, figured okay. out. We're we official <laughs> right. friends now. I got the nickname down. <laughs> so, that's right. right. Everybody better get it. All right, sweet Sil. We appreciate your time. Thank you for joining Thank us. You. Fans, stay right where you are because after halftime, we will have Cappy Pondexter joining the show. And Tariq and I, with our oh, ever so wild fourth quarter, we'll talk a little bit about what we've observed on power. Don't forget, we would love to hear from our fans. You can tweet us. I am at LaChina Robinson. Tarika's at she knows sports underscore with the hashtag around the rim. Um, please also make sure you subscribe to Around the Rim on the ESPN app. Um, you can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave your comments. You can review. Tell your friends. But make sure that you are giving Around the Rim some love. Third quarter. Scouting report. 
Hey fans, it's the third quarter, which means it's time for our scouting report. And Tarika and I are excited to welcome one of the greatest players in WNBA history. We have with us none other than Chicago Sky Guard, Cappy Pondexter. Welcome, Cappy. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Yes, well, we are we are excited to have you. You know, it's it's our bad. You know, me and Tarika, we actually Tarika, we need to get a list of everybody we've had we've had on the show because there's no way we are a year into this and we haven't had Cappy. I know like, this we should is not be ashamed. Good. We should be ashamed. Yeah, we should definitely be ashamed. But we are glad that Cappy <laughs> yeah. made time for us today. And Cappy, um, let's just start with you because one of the things I always talk about when I look at your illustrious career, I mean, you've done it all. You've won championships. You've been a Finals MVP, all the all-star selection. I mean, you look across your career, not to mention that um, you're right now fourth on the all-time scoring list. When you look back at the days of of little Cappy growing up playing basketball, uh, did you ever imagine accomplishing as much as you have in your career? Uh, Honestly, not at all. Like, I really started playing basketball just because I was like, my brother was babysitting me, so, like, he would go play with his friends, and, like, I would run all on the court and be in the way. And so, like, one day, one of his friends just threw a basketball, and me playing with basketball just started off just trying to please my brother more than anything. And I had no idea that, you know, God would bless me with all of the things that I've been able to accomplish. So you went on to play at Rutgers um, under one of the greatest coaches we've ever had in our game and see Vivian Stringer. And, you know, one of the things I'm sure that stands out to all the fans was not only just your style of play and, and the toughness that you bought, but that WNBA tattoo was something that I, I always remembered about you. Now, for the fans that may not know, because you may have really kind of I don't know. You might have been one of the first real ones that believed in this league because to get a tattoo, you got to believe that this thing was going to work. Tell me when you got the tattoo and kind of some of the thinking behind it. Well, you know, I, I wanted a, I wanted a tattoo because my mom told me when I turn 18, I can get a tattoo. And around this time, um, it was the Olympics in Atlanta and they were promoting mm-hmm. the WNBA like we got next. And so I was like, I was so excited. Like, I'm not going to even lie. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. <laughs> like, I want to be like them. And so for me, the tattoo was more of a um, a dream. Like, it's something I wanted to accomplish. It, was, it wasn't me being co- a cocky, like, young player or just saying, like, oh, I'm going to get there. I really, really believed in the WNBA, and I was just really excited that it was around. So I tatted the logo on, on my arm, on my right arm. And I put the future at the top. So whenever, you know, I would get down or I felt like I couldn't um, accomplish this, you know, the tattoo was a reminder for me. And so that was the story behind it, really. I love it. You're a real one. Like you were, you were believing in the WBA. I think way before many of us were <laughs> enough to put a permanent tattoo on there. But I love it. So let's look at your background. Let's think about your background a minute. So a lot of people may not know this because you are associated with Chicago. You know, you've done great work there. You grew up there. You know, I love everything you've done in the community, especially with all the violence that they have in Chicago. But you were born in California. So how did the the styles of those two come together to kind of create um, your basketball style because you know I talked to Tina Thompson about this and when we started thinking about the history especially of the women's game whether it's Cheryl or Lisa or Tina you know there's a lot of West Coast Diana 
Um, but then Chicago brings another flavor. So how do you how do you bring those two influences together in terms of how they've impacted your career? Hey, nobody really know I was born in California. I tried to keep that on the on the <laughs> West Side. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? When I think about like basketball influencing cities, you know, you have Chicago, you have New York, you have LA. Like those are the cities that probably produce the most prominent athletes around. You know what I mean? And it's because yeah. of the culture that was already built. You know, when you think about the professional leagues that 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 around, you know, like the Lakers, the Bulls, you know, the the Knicks, you know, it was great tradition. And growing up, that's all we did was watch, you know, those teams play basketball. And right. you know, it, it, those are just cities that that are heavily influenced with basketball, and it's a culture. And when you're growing up, you want to stay out of trouble, you know. And basketball, a lot of times, are the things that we revert to. You know, especially for me when I was growing up, you know, Chicago has dealt with a lot in terms of, you know, the violence aspect of everything. And so the basketball was the middle ground for me. It allowed me to be in a safe place and, and play a game that I love. Well, and I also think because you have had experiences in the West, in the in the Midwest, and also on the East Coast, you you have a, a very unique sense of style. Like you had, and obviously you've played overseas, like a lot of players have. And we'll get to the fashion in a minute, but I think you have seen a lot of the world in different ways. But I, I love the way you point out that influence. Speaking of influences. You know, you were selected to the Phoenix Mercury in the first round, number two overall in 2006. And it it was you coming to Phoenix that really put that organization where it needed to be to to get to championship level. You joined Diana Taurasi there. Um, Your relationship with Taurasi is always fun to watch because you guys come together and it's like old friends again. What kind of influence did did she have on you? And, And then what kind of relationship would you say you guys have now? Um, well, yeah, like, she, honestly, like, nobody really knows, like, Diana was, like, she was the leader for the for the Phoenix team. She taught me about being professional, you know, and she just became a very close friend of mine where we hung out every single day, and our bond was just incredible. And, uh, I mean, you can see it on the court, you know, because, you know, with, with things that she lacked or I lacked, we always made up for it for each other because, you know, we believe in each other. We love to win, and we just want to do it for each other, more importantly. And I think, you know, when I asked for the trade from Phoenix to New York, it kind of altered our relationship because she didn't understand where I was coming from in terms of what I really wanted to accomplish off the court um, later in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <clears throat> not to say that she didn't, but, you know, I've, I've always dreamed about doing other things outside of basketball, and so I thought New York was the place for me. Um, to accomplish that and get it started. And then, like, you know, we kind of distance ourselves, but, you know, you know, as we got older and accomplished so much in our career and our life, that we, we had time to talk about things. And, uh, you know, we're good. We're, we're close friends. We still talk. We communicate. And, you know, our relationship is great. Hey, I can't blame her because when you got a Batman and Robin like that, I would have been a little bit upset y'all had to break up too. I mean, actually I was, but I did understand that you wanted to do your fashion thing. And, um, you know, four season style management, you have really grown um, a ton. You mentioned your affinity for fashion. Um, what did that time uh, in New York help you to do for four season? And where is it now? How is the company doing? Oh, man, like, when I honestly, I'm not going to lie. When I first got to New York and started going on the fashion scene, I was like, yo, I don't know if I belong 
I was intimidated. I can't lie because, like, <laughs> I feel like if you go to New York and you become the epitome of fashion and you meet all these, like, tastemakers and, you know, influencers in the fashion industry in New York, I mean, like, that's high-level stuff. And for me yeah. to be able to accomplish that in my tenure in New York, um, I mean, it, it felt great in the, in the, in, and my, made my mindset believe that I can accomplish anything in the fashion industry all over the world. And um, the company, it, it started off as just to help athletes in general, you know, especially, like, women. And then it just kind of went from that to we're dressing actors, comedians, um, models. It just became this whole world that I'd never imagined. And, um, you know, it, and for for us to be able to make it in New York, like, I mean, it's just an incredible thing. And right now where we're at, in this point, we're, we're rebranding ourselves because we're trying to take to L.A. now. So, you know, we've oh. kind of come to New York. And so now we're trying to rebrand and move it to, to L.A. and start all over. So this offseason, um, I'm going to do an internship for the WNBA, and then I'm really going to focus on fourth season with uh, my business partner, Lisa Cliff Craig. That's awesome. And, and and you have become really the fashion staple in the WNBA. You know, I think when a lot of people think about the league and where to check out the, the dope fashion in the league, your name is still um, number one on that list, no doubt. So in that, you went to New York. And one thing I'll say about New York, I know you went there wanting to bring a championship. One thing I always tell people is that you one thing I admired about your time in New York is that you never quit. You never quit on that team. You never quit on that organization. I can remember times where you were pushing through injuries and you played with the same energy every year you were with that organization. And that really I, I, I really, um, you know, I had a lot of respect in how you just conducted yourself during your time in New York because New York's not easy, you know, in that market with the media. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, when Tina comes in, there's just the expectations, everything that happened. So I totally respect how, how you handle things there. And then you get to go to Chicago and that's kind of going to well fast forward to, to where we are now. And, you know, I'm thinking back even on last season when. You guys lost Deladonna injury. No one expected you guys to compete, but you did. You put up a fight beating Atlanta, put up a, a fight against L.A. Um, and then there's a coaching change. <laughs> there's personnel changes. I know you were playing point guard at one point, but there's just been a lot that's happened this year. Just kind of take us through what that has, what those major changes have been for you and how you guys have weathered the storm. Uh, I mean, you know what? <clears throat> a lot of people don't understand, you know, everything that you just explained, because that's because you know the game. But as a fan that's looking in, they might look at it as like, oh, you know, it's a lot going on. You know, you know, the coach don't know what she's doing. The organization is is stuck in right now. Like people don't understand that, you know, a team sport takes time to bond, to gel, to you know keep moving in the right direction, make sure everybody's on the same page. And Chicago has been through a lot. You know, this organization as a whole, even before I came here, has gone through a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you look at um, Deladon, you know, she's a star player um, in this league, and she was the face of Chicago. You know, when I came here, I expected to play with Deladon and to win a championship. Unfortunately, things changed. You know, it was a situation that I understood because it happened with me and Tarasi. So, you know, I gave her the benefit of the doubt, and I'm like, okay, you know, we can keep it moving. 
she wanted to be in Washington, you know, I was happy for her. Then we get a new coaching tank, you know, with Amber Stocks, and she's implementing a whole new system. Um, Allie Quigley is competing for a championship in, in Turkey. Um, you have Vanderstu who's, you know, competing for the championship as well and who, who has a Hungarian passport. So you have two key players who are out. Then you have myself. Right. And I've never played the point guard position in my career. So a transition for me, um, player-wise. And, um, you know, at the same time, trying to help um, the young players who are coming in and, you know, help the coach who's new. It, it was just a lot going on, you know. But I think overall, when I look back from then to now, I really feel like we did a a wonderful job. Um, you know, battling the injuries, um, the the trades that 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 occurred probably like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, and just trying to implement all the the new philosophies that Amber Stocks uh, wanted from us. So you know, it, it's, it's been it's been tough, but you know, I can just say like we're on the right road, and we're still going to compete. Um, we got five games left, and you know, if God willing, we'll be in the playoff race. Yeah, I mean, right now you guys are. Um... You're at number nine, so you're only one spot out. You're two games behind Dallas, so there's still a lot to be decided. But I think you hit the nail on the head in that some people don't know everything that's transpired with this team. And and despite all of that, even after the trade, you guys were able to find a way to win, um, you know, and and to stay in the playoff hunt. Let me just ask you quickly about um, Amber Stocks, and I think Tarika has a question for you as well. You mentioned just her style. How has her style been different both in terms of what we see on the court with your playing style, but then what has, you know, she bought to just the organization overall? Um, Coach Stocks is a, you know, she's a woman who who believes in empowering and you don't really get that from a lot of coaches. Um, and especially on a professional level, because it's like, this is your job. This is what you have to do. Um, but she mm-hmm. believes in empowering so that every individual um, can use can maximize who they are for the betterment of the team. And I think that's that's great, um, especially transitioning, coming into a new new program and just breathing that kind of energy into all of us. Um, I think it's kind of what helped us to sustain everything that we've been through this season. And, I mean, she's a wonderful, um, wonderful person. She's very talented um, in her skill level, her knowledge of the game, um, her willingness to want to win and compete and be the best is top-notch. And I think for years to come, she's going to be one of the best. Yeah, I really like her a lot. Um, I, I had a chance to spend some time with her when she was with L.A. And I, the trust that Brian Agler had for her, and she is so detailed when it comes to the X and O's of the game. I, I'm just always really, really impressed with how she conducts herself. And, you know, experience is something that coaches need just as much as players. You know, we talk about coming into this league as a rookie and how you need experience Well, you come in as a rookie coach, you know, there's going to be some moments where we're like, okay, those things will come with experience. But uh, I do like her a lot. And Mm -hmm. I think her future is very bright. Tarika, what did you want to ask Kathy? Well, I wanted to ask her um, about something that I discussed on an interview that I just recently had with Imani Boyette, who was one of the pieces um, in the trade that you just recently mentioned. And I asked her, 
you know, when you first came into the league or some of the people that you were able to play with or play against, you know, who were some of the people that intimidated you when you first when you first met them? And she said, I have to say, Cappy Pondexter, she has a fierce look on her face. And she looked like when you first meet her, you were like, this girl is serious business. And then you get to know her and she's completely different than than how she appears. So I wanted to kind of just get your take on that and just, you know, in in the longevity of your career, how you still manage to have that poker face, that fierceness, but, you know, have a completely different personality off the court. I mean, people like when they don't know me, like they like I love the game of basketball so much, like. Like, I really, really, like, enjoy the game, like, through my good and bad times. Like, I enjoy the process of competing to be one of the best and just the overall experience of just having the opportunity to play at an elite level. Like, I try not to take it for granted. And so, like, when I'm on the court, I'm so so serious most of the time, or even in practice, you know. I, I, I like to prepare, like, minutes before, you know, like, the practice starts. So I'm serious right then and there soon as I come into the gym and, and a lot of people people don't um know how to take that I guess. But, you know, off the court I'm like the coolest person alive. I'm thirty four with a twenty three year old heart. That's what I like to tell people, you know, I have so much energy and um and excitement for life, you know, so um I, I think it's just a matter of people getting to understand me and then it's a it's a process for me too because <clears throat> I, I I would say that I, I have been a loner for most of my career and so as I became more in the leadership role um, with younger players, I had to open up a little bit more and let them know who they who I really am um, outside of basketball. Yeah, Cappy, I will say, I mean, uh, before I ever met you, you know, we kind of have this image, and I'll be honest with you, this is a Rutgers thing because I'm I was uh, scared of almost every pe- player I've met from Rutgers. Like y'all were just so tough and so like y'all, you know, Coach Stringer had y'all on this like. I was just always intimidated just because of the toughness, the determination, the physicality that all of you guys come out of that program play with. But as I've gotten to know you, I mean, your knowledge, you're, you're charismatic, um, you're, you're very friendly, you're very kind. Um, and I'm glad Imani and some of the younger players have, have had that opportunity and will have that opportunity to experience that playing alongside you or, or meeting you, um, you know, throughout your remaining years in the league. Now, one more question I have to ask you before we let you go. Um, you know, I look at the the players that are on the all-time leading scorers list. There's Diana, there's Tina, there's Tamika, who are in front of you at fourth, and there's Katie Smith, Lisa Leslie, Lauren Jackson, Becky Hammond. So Becky Hammond would be the first person, I think, that kind of slides into my mind. But because you're in the top four, you are 5'9". Okay, a lot of the great players in this league are six foot or taller, you know, and so I think it's amazing, Cappy, that I think if this is stated right now, you've got six thousand hundred and sixty two points in your career at five nine. So you are undersized. How did you develop your game in a way that you have been just a, a killer, an assassin with the basketball, even in a smaller package than a lot of players I just named? Wow. Oh, <laughs> all right. I got to say, like, uh, a lot of people, like, that's ever been around me, they, they know, like, how my heart is. Like, I really believe that I'm bigger than 5'9 in my mind. <laughs> and that's always something that's always, um, <laughs> I've always had in my mind. But, you know, like, now I say the league is so, so much bigger than it was when I first came out. 
Um, I really consider myself one of the bigger guards, but now I'm like, all right, okay, I'm really little. But um, I, I credit <laughs> all that to um, playing with the guys, you know, in Chicago on the playground or in the gym, you know, that, that play in the, the NBA that I grew up around, you know. If I wanted to compete with them, I had to, you know, give them my best, and I was always a small, smart, smaller one. So, um, you know, I guess I have to credit them because without them, I wouldn't be where I am now, for sure. Well, I thought about you a lot during the NBA playoffs when we watched Isaiah Thomas, and it's definitely something I've been obsessed with, like just looking at, you know, some of the smaller guards that have had success in our league. Um, you know, I mentioned Becky Hammond, um, Ivory Latta, Christy Tolliver, some of those that you're like, wow, but you are in the top four in climbing. So that just makes it even, you know, just more impressive in, in terms of what you've done. Well, I've got a million more questions, but unfortunately, Tariqa's going to kill me if I don't wrap this interview. But we will definitely have you back. We just want to thank you so much for your time. And uh, thank you so much for everything you've done to build the league on the court, off the court. And uh, thank you for making some time for Around the Rim. We appreciate you. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, fans, it's the fourth quarter. Tariq and I just really quickly are going to talk about our favorite TV show or top TV show because I know Tarika likes what Game of Game Thrones? of Thrones. Yes, and I like Insecure. So I like Insecure kind of, too though. Okay, well you can only have two, so whatever. <laughs> um so there was something that happened this week on Power that I'm still not over. Uh Raina, who is the daughter of um the main characters on the show, Tasha and Ghost, James, a.k.a. Ghost, um, their daughter was tragically shot and killed. And she couldn't have been no more than, what, Tarika, 11, 12 years old? No, actually, she's um, 14. She's the same age oh. as, uh, they're twins. She's the same age as, as her brother, Tariq. Oh, are they twins? They are twins. I did not know that. Okay. It, mm-hmm. So they're twins. Go ahead, Tarika, because I'm too sad to continue. Right now. Okay, so... <laughs> They're twins. And remember right before it happened, she was like, oh, this is going to be the first time we aren't going to spend our birthday together. So that was kind of the giveaway. But yeah, that was the giveaway. But I think you and I kind of differ on what actually happened. So if you haven't seen it, you're bad too late. It's should have seen it already. And um, Raina was protecting her brother. And someone was after him and she stepped up to him and he unfortunately shot her in the chest and ran away. Now, it is very sad. (laughs) But tell him what you feel, Tarika. It's very, it's very sad that a young girl was shot and killed. But maybe it's the Detroit in me. I'm just not walking up to somebody after my brother has already told me that this person is trouble and they're, you know, someone that you don't want to play around with to the point that he is trying to go to another state to go to another school to get away from them. You've already said to her, he's a dirty cop. And yet she walks up to him at night in the back of a school talking about, I know who you are, Ray Ray. Girl, if you don't get out of here somewhere, this is what happens. This is what happens. You don't do things like that. You don't you can't check somebody like that. You can't. So unfortunately, she had to die, but it could have been avoided. 
Okay, so what she was trying to do was spare the life of her brother, who has been a pain in the you-know-what all season. He's been extremely selfish. He pushed her down the floor when she was trying to find out what was going on. Like, he is... Tariq is the biggest problem here, okay? So he's in trouble once again. She Agreed. comes outside. There's a, man's with a, a man with a gun. She doesn't want to see her brother get killed. So she tries to jump in. Now, I agree where she messed up. She shouldn't have called that man by his government name because he's a dirty cop. He doesn't want people, obviously, to know he's a dirty cop. And my father always told me, and this is going to, Lord, somebody's going to beat us about this. But my (laughs) father has always told me, you don't snitch. You can try to stop something if you want to, but you don't tell on people, right? Because it's none of your business. And you can put yourself or your family in a compromising position. Now, I'm not saying I've always lived by that. I'm saying that is my father's philosophy. So I do understand what you are saying, Tarika, um, you know, that she should have maybe just kept it moving. I Like, there are plenty of other ways I believe she could have handled that situation. But unfortunately, the route that she took cost her her life. I do foresee ghosts going bananas I mean completely bananas it does leave one to wonder what is going to happen um, as far as if Tariq is going to eventually tell his father the truth or if he's going to continue to lie considering there was no witnesses Um, how is this going to affect you know a future season as next week's episode is the season finale so it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here but I hope Tariq just go ahead and tell the truth about what happened. I mean, it, I even wonder if Kanan, which is the character played by 50 Cent, if he's now going to um, even come on Ghost side. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, mm, but it definitely... It, it There's just, only one show left in this, this season. That's it. Though, so that's it. Yeah. That kind of makes me a little bit upset that it's going to be over and we don't know if there's mm. going to be another season and... Yeah, but there is a season of Insecure going on. And before we end our fourth quarter, we can definitely talk about how your girl Molly out here tripping. Well, Molly is just living the way society is living. Um, Don't defend this. She told that man she told that man she didn't want to do it. He kept listen. Don't defend this. I don't think it's cool either, but get your husband. Okay. Get your husband. That's my, that's my, that's what I got to say about that. Get your husband. Okay. There we go. We're done. (laughs) Yep. We're done. And with that fans, that is your update on power and also insecure. Tariq and I will dive a little deeper into this next week, but make sure you check us out around the rim. See ya. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.